Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We have been doing a short little series on the churches in the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3. And when you look at these seven letters, they're indicative of the church of all ages, the problems that they face, the concerns that Jesus has, the praise that he offers, the the person who is the king and authority of the church is the same. It's Jesus Christ. Um, what becomes pretty obvious as you work through these seven letters, seven churches, is that Jesus Christ knows his church, is living among his church, and is concerned for his church. Mm-hmm. And what you find in each of these letters is something that I think any church that's today should be able to look at and say, oh, I see a little bit of Thyatira in, in us. I see a little bit of Sar- Sardis. I see Philadelphia or Ephesus mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever church, mm-hmm. um, some good, some bad. And really what um, the point of the seven letters is always the last phrase, let him he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is not taking inventory of his church just simply to take inventory. And he's not, and, and he's not giving these uh, necessarily letters to ch- churches so that we can identify the church away from us. He's, he's actually giving it to us so that we can identify these uh, aspects uh, within our own uh, congregations. Yeah, it's and, not like this is all happening back east. It might actually be happening uh, right in the community that you live in. Sure, and these are actual historical churches. The these seven churches, they're all in what we would call Asia Minor, uh, modern Turkey. Um, and, and by the way, these churches no longer uh, exist. Not not a one of them. Um, but um, the message given to each church as as uh, Russ and Jonathan have said the message given to each church is timeless and uh, just as much application to the contemporary church. And so I think uh, what we need to do is say, if the shoe fits, we need to wear it. Yeah. And what we're ultimately asking is that we would be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit within our own hearts and lives and say, okay, I want to be one that has ears to hear. Mm. Yeah. I want to be one that the Spirit works within me to say, okay, what areas of of my own personal life, but what areas of our church life do we need to repent of? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the church in uh, Sardis, um, Jesus says to them, uh, well, maybe we maybe we we, we we want to read the letter. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, this is the the letter to the church in Sardis, uh, Revelation chapter three, beginning with verse one. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. 
wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard, keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." It's interesting that some of the, the details of the letter really do deal with the, the details of the city in which it's from. Mm-hmm. And so here you've got this idea of wake up and there's a thief that's, that's coming. Um, most of us as modern readers don't know that the, the city of Sardis has fallen twice um, by surprise attacks, once by Cyrus um, many, many centuries before this time, and the other one to Antiochus the the Great. And so twice Sardis has been attacked, and Sardis was known as this fortified city, um, and they they felt like they were safe. Um, And so Jesus is coming here and saying, um, don't you as a church be like the city that you're a part of. Yeah, don't assume that you're safe. Well, and the the parallel is they assumed they were safe, and they were apathetic, mm-hmm. and and they've become apathetic about Christ, mm-hmm. um, and that's what Christ is saying to them when he says, "You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead." And and as Russ uh, you indicated, um, one of the symptoms of this spiritual uh, the spiritual lethargy one the the symptom is a lack of holiness. There's only a few, he says, that have not soiled their garments. In, in other words, um, you become so apathetic about Christ. You've become so apathetic about the gospel that apparently they've come to believe they can live any way they want, and Christ doesn't care. Uh, what, what, what's he going to do about it? So I'm well, going to ask I, you a question. I, I, oh, okay. Um, that is based on a, a working premise. So you have to accept my premise in order to to go where I'm going. And I'm saying that churches don't lose life overnight. Right. Amen. That it's a process that we we've we've held to a core set of beliefs um in our early life and then we slowly drift away. Um so if you accept that working premise what are some signs that we that should help us to identify that drift, that beginning to move from life to really being a church that's dead? I I think the the first one is um, lifeless worship and uh, a apathy toward prayer would be uh, some of the first symptoms. Um, and that's one of the first symptoms in your individual life as well. Uh, if, if you've become apathetic about Christ, your prayer life uh, will, one of the first indicators is if you're neglecting prayer. I would second that. Um, I also think um, <clears throat> when you as a people, and again, what 
there are great parallels between the individuals and the church more uh, as a corporate body. But um, when the church is not uh, coming to the word and um, finding life in the word, uh, that means that their people are not reading it. And here you, you have that even explicitly here in the letter. Uh, remember then what you received and heard. Uh, Christ is calling the church to remember what has been revealed to them, something mm-hmm. you're failing in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty easy to be in the word, but just on a superficial um, duty-related um, activity that we know we're supposed to read God's word. So we open it but we, we're not really open to it. Um, we're not really seeing the Christ of the scriptures, that we're really not concerned about the Spirit using it to draw us closer to Jesus Christ, to see him and to become like him. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go through the motions of religious activity, um, but lose the heart behind it. Um, but sometimes that's hard to, I, I mean, because it happens so slowly, I think it can be hard to identify that um, spiritual slip. I think there's a couple things identified here. I think that I think you actually have uh, the law of God identified. You know, in terms of you know what they're to remember and keep. You know, there you have you have the you know the the reminder that if we are not obeying the law, we're we're under its curse. Uh, and in fact, you use there's this reference to the fact that their name could be blotted out of the book of life. That would be cut off from eternal life, and and that and then he's so in one sense he's addressing those who who are at that risk. But at the on the other side of it, he's addressing the this remnant there. And I think that sometimes we think that because there's only one or two of us or because there's a few people who are who who are actually doing these things who are who are walking with the Lord that we really don't have anything to we we can't steer the ship in the right direction, but he's actually mm-hmm. calling them to do that and you know saying hey you your work is not complete um you know you know wake up. Strengthen, strengthen the little that remains. Remember what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. And he's actually, in some ways, even calling uh, for those who are walking with him to repent of of that certain apathy that they mm-hmm. might have that they can't mm-hmm. make a difference. Mm-hmm. There's there's a saying that says when somebody says "do," you're supposed to reply "done." Mm-hmm. I actually think there's a danger in that saying. Um, would you guys agree with that? And I base it partly on on the Church of Sardis. Well, I think I, I I'm not I'm not wholly in that camp. I do think that the the the, the law uh, presents an imperative and a duty, and the gospel itself presents the promise that those those works have actually been completed in Christ. You know, my. My identity is not with what I've done, but what Christ has done for me. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that I'm not called. And, you know, not only are we called positionally holy, we're called to be holy. And that's what we learned from the church in Corinth, you know, in mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians. Yeah. So I would prefer to say, it's done, now do. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think some that are promoting the when you hear do say done, then stop. And I, I fear that's what actually happened in Sardis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's done. So that means there's nothing yeah, to do. Well, I mean, no, nothing, uh, nothing for us to do. You're actually a, a addressing something that we would call antinomianism, mm-hmm. that, you know, this against the law, that the law doesn't have anything to say to us. It doesn't have any way to instruct us. Um, you know, we read the Ten Commandments every mm-hmm. every Sunday because we read out the will of God for our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One, it directs us to Christ, but after we're directed to Christ, this is this is what pleases Him as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in in any relationship, any living relationship, if there's if there's genuine love present, if there's genuine commitment present. It will lead to certain behaviors. If if I truly love my wife, I'm going to wash the dishes, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to clean a toilet every now and then. Um, and uh, if if we have a relationship, a living relationship with Jesus Christ, and we truly know His love and and uh, receive His love and love Him in return, that's going to result in certain behaviors behaviors of holiness, re- rejecting some behaviors and embracing others. And if, if, if those behaviors are not present, if love for my brothers and sisters is not present, is not, if service to Jesus Christ in, in my community is not present, there's something wrong with the relationship. And, and that's what Jesus is saying here to the people of Sardis. You're, you've, you're dead repent and come back to life. That's what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Yes. And as we close, I just want to just encourage the believer that um, holiness does matter. Um, we bear the name of Christ to the, to a lost world. And, and so as those that are in Christ, we are to become like Christ because that honors, honors Christ. Mm-hmm. But we'll see you tomorrow. 